The Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Welcome back to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. We are excited to be back with a new episode today where we are talking about music, one of my very favorite things. And joining us for this conversation today are Cincinnati Children's music therapists, Erin Seibert and Bethany Rice. Welcome. Thank you. Yay, thank you. So glad you guys are here. We've been talking a lot about music in Cincinnati because there's kind of a big deal musical tour coming at the end of the month. And I think one of the things with that that tour coming is kids are super excited about music everywhere I look. And so we had this idea to learn a bit more about music and how it can play a role in kids' lives um, and in healing for kids who are in the hospital. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Sound okay? Yeah. Let's just start with a just kind of lay of the land question. How does music play a role in child development? Why is it important? Um, So music is really awesome because it's one of the only things um, in life that is actually processed on both sides of the brain at the same time. And so as children are learning and growing, the younger they are, um, the more neuroplasticity they have available in their brain. And so they have more opportunities to build new neural connections and really um, music because it's being processed on both sides of the brain is really activating all these areas at the same time. And so they're able to learn different concepts and different developmental milestones um, when it's based in music. And a really simple example of that is like learning the ABCs. Like no child learns the alphabet uh, without the alphabet song um, or the days of the week or other kind of childhood songs that we are all familiar with. Yeah, and there's also a lot that can be done just with the the mind and body connection that can happen when a child is engaging in music, listening, maybe they're moving to the music, maybe they're playing an instrument, and that integrates a lot of different systems of the body and can just help all of those systems develop more fully. So you mentioned, Erin, that for babies in particular and kind of the youngest kiddos, learning the things that they learn by songs, and you're absolutely right, nobody learns the ABCs without the song. How do those advantages and kind of those developmental milestones change as kids get older? I think that different styles of music um, really help to motivate and engage kids based off of their age. And so when we think about working with babies or interacting with babies in our lives, um, you know, babies are looking for music that is predictable and familiar and they can kind of know what to expect. And so if you think about lullabies, like they're all very repetitive and they're kind of in a soothing tone and they really replicate like what a, a mother's voice or a father's voice, a caregiver's voice sounds like. And as a child gets older, um, you know, those songs really change. And research shows that, like, 
older infants, toddlers, um, school-age kids, they're a lot more interested in songs that are upbeat and like higher in pitch and tonality. And so that's when you'll see kind of the music change for um, addressing those different developmental milestones. And, you know, if you think about um, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a very like interactive, engaging, um, you are addressing different gross motor skills and bringing your hands to midline, which is so good for development. And I think just all of those classic children's songs, you Mm -hmm. kind of can see how they apply to the different ages. Yeah. And then moving through to like adolescents and teenagers, a lot of the ways that music can benefit them has to do with more of just the emotional expression that can happen through music. And there are lots of opportunities for socialization, maybe, you know, going to music shows or listening to music with your friends with the windows open in your car or um, just having that kind of community connection is really uh, powerful and, and kind of plays into some of the the goals that we would use for music um, when we work with that age group. There are definitely songs from like certain points in my life that if you hear it, it's like you're instantaneously back there with those friends in that mm-hmm. kind of time frame. Yeah, It's incredibly powerful. So a benefit of music is also language development. There are probably words that kids hear first in songs Will you, will you explain that a little bit and how that can benefit kiddos as they're both learning their first language and then any benefits to learning it um, if, if they're working on learning another language too? Sure. Yeah. So one thing that we know is that exposing young children um, to music and songs, especially music that is developmentally appropriate for them, does help to jumpstart language development. It can help them to develop an ear for certain sounds and words and also kind of just helps them to bond with a caregiver through that shared language and and learn their caregiver as well. So that communication can also be enhanced through song. And again, you kind of see this through a lot of our children's songs. You know, I... I know that there are some parents I know who make little songs for everything, like tying your shoes or waking up in the morning. My mom would always sing me a really annoying wake-up song when I was a kid. (laughs) So just things like that really do help to lock in um, pieces of language with the actions that are happening around you. So that's definitely one way that, that music can enhance that language development. So let's talk about socialization around music and... I had mentioned that there are certain things that I'm just like immediately back with the people from a particular part of my life. How do those two things go together, music and and friends and family and socialization? I think even just jumping off of what Bethany mentioned of socializing with your family and your caregivers. And I know for myself growing up, everything within my family was based around music and song and just being able to like deepen relationships with those who loved me and being able to just listen to the music my parents loved and learning and taking that in as my own music preferences. And then that's really what, at least for me personally, stemmed my interest in music. And so then I was able to even more deeply engage in socializing with um, the people that were wanting to sing in choir. So being a part of a music group is a huge thing. Um, Music class, um, at school, other outside community ensembles. That's where so many kids make friends because it's their shared hobby um, and they can just kind of learn from one another in, in that way. I think 
there are so many things out in the community, especially here in Cincinnati, that are all based around like community music and whether that's attending a program at like the library uh, or any of the other organizations in town, just kind of helping kids find their sense of self um, and who they are within their community is a huge part of that socialization. So let's talk about instruments for a minute. <laughs> so I, music that other people produce and that we hear like definitely has those connections. When a kid learns to play an instrument, what is like it, it feels like it's kind of like next level music. I have to imagine you both play instruments. Do you play instruments? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we Bethany, play. starting with you, what do you play? Oh, man. Well, um, my first instrument uh, was piano, and then I actually went to college and and. Um, my main instrument was violin. Okay. And then in music therapy school, you have to be proficient on piano, guitar, and voice. So those are covered as well. And we play, gosh, so many instruments. Name an instrument. We've probably played it both in and out of music therapy. <laughs> um, we love it. <laughs> so my favorite is when you guys play the ukulele. Do you oh, both yes. play the ukulele? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What about you, Erin? What are yours? I also grew up playing the piano, and I started singing um, at a really young age. Um, So those were my primary instruments that I studied um, classically uh, growing up and through college. But now you can't really see me. You can never find me, like, without my guitar. Um, Mm -hmm. And I almost always have a ukulele with me as well. And now I just, I don't really know what my favorite instruments are anymore because it's just constantly a different engagement every single day. Mm -hmm. Well, and so definitely next level reactions from both of you when I brought up the instruments. So (laughs) back to my original question of like, what does that kind of mean for kids who are musical? Yeah. I mean, one thing that comes to mind through my work is that not every instrument is necessarily accessible to every child. So when we work with some of the medical limitations that a child might have, I really do my best to make sure that I am working within those limits while giving them every possibility that they could have musically. So I bring in instruments like the harp or like a keyboard, a small keyboard, things that are um, that they're able to engage with really easily. And I think that a lot of kids, and I know this happened to me, I, it might have also happened to Aaron with singing, you, you are kind of drawn to a specific instrument that really can become a huge part of your identity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, playing that instrument and and learning how to do it. It's an amazing leisure skill to be able to have and to have that tool to express yourself. So there are endless possibilities, lots of wonderful, wonderful work you can do with instruments. Yeah, I actually didn't really think about that, but yes, I am was drawn to the, it was drawn to singing growing up, and then my family encouraged me to play the piano, which is now something that I love and I'm drawn to. So thanks for that. I liked that. Yeah. I was like, yes, I am drawn to singing. <laughs> um, but I think the other thing that um, I wanted to add about the instruments is that um, I think sometimes, I know this gets expressed to me a lot, where, where parents are like, they really... Um, value the benefit of a child learning an instrument and so they always ask me for my advice about like which instrument should I learn which is the best one to learn Um, and I definitely second Bethany in saying you know whatever the child expresses interest in is definitely Mm -hmm. the the way to go um, if that is feasible and then the other piece is that it's so much of our world kind of expects us to be like really excellent musicians. Like if we study an instrument, then we should come out of it from the other side, like really, really great at it. And 
I know for myself within music therapy, I'm always just trying to empower people of being like, you don't have to be amazing at this instrument for it to still provide you so many benefits. Mm -hmm. Like if you feel better playing your instrument and even, even if it's just by yourself and no one hears you, like that is so important. And so definitely um, honing in on that, that really healthy leisure skill for sure. And I love the way you stated that. It's a healthy leisure skill. And I, I liked what you said a little bit ago, Bethany, about like, it's a, a way to express themselves. And I, I think that music does that for a lot of people. What does, like, what different forms can that take? Like, how have you guys in your experience seen kids who just connect to music and it <laughs> makes something better? That's a huge question. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sorry to do that No, to that's okay. Gosh, I mean, in music therapy, we do kind of often talk about all of the different ways that music can be experienced. So there are like receptive ways of experiencing it where you could just turn on your favorite song and you listen to it and it it takes you through a lot of different emotions or to different memories. Um, There's also active music making where you sing or you pick up an instrument. There's music writing, which I um, do a lot with some of my patients where we just maybe even just write down a few quick thoughts and then turn it into a song. There's dancing. There's so many, so many ways to experience music. And it, it really just depends on, on what someone's interest is and what um, they feel like could benefit them the most. Yeah, and, that, and some of my favorite experiences are just like making up and creating music in the moment and not like worrying about it being something that exists past this moment in time too. Um, and so just being able to like bring bring things for kids to play on or um, explore and and just empowering them of being like, yeah, that was awesome music. Like, is that something you'd hear on the radio? Probably not, but it still was <laughs> mm-hmm. so um, expressive and often can just kind of distract from whatever it is um, that was occurring before that moment and just kind of take you to a more mindful and intentional place. Do you guys have any... Um, like music from other parts of the world that you particularly love? Ooh. That's like personally, professionally? Yeah. Both, <laughs> either, whichever one. Like, yeah, there are some that are just really rhythmic that probably mm-hmm. have a place and time where they work really well in music therapy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just a curiosity yeah. question because you're yeah. both such students of music. <laughs> I have had the privilege to work with a lot of different patients from a lot of different backgrounds and we we do have that privilege here Um, and I often have gotten to learn from them of what um, instruments they love what um, what their cultural background is different songs that are really important to them so I I almost feel like the student in those moments of of learning those things um, I had someone recently asked me for this Indian drum and so I was able to get one and and then they were showing me how to play it it's so cool our work is is awesome because we do get to experience music from a lot of different cultural backgrounds um personally most recently I've been listening to French pop music um because it's just really beautiful sounding (laughs) um I'm also trying to learn French so like (laughs) it can be a fun way yeah they can be a fun way to to learn a new language but 
What about you, Erin? Yeah, I was. I would add um, similarly. We do incorporate a lot of like um, like world percussion instruments in our work because, like you were saying, so many different um, cultures use a lot of uh, percussive instruments. Um, I also use the opportunities to learn from our patients and families about what what music is most important to them and um, do my very best to um, as authentically as possible kind of recreate that music with them what if they are wanting it to be live music um, or just having them share like their favorite recordings with us and um, I love to um, try to take on the challenge of incorporating different uh, music from you know, different languages and being able to replicate that as best as possible. And I would say personally, um, I definitely love a lot of K-pop. So (laughs) that's always a great genre. Two really good genres, K-pop and French pop, which I'm going to have to take a couple of recommendations for artists before we leave today. Um, (laughs) You've both been telling us about your work a little bit. And to take a step back, what is music therapy? Yeah. So Another big question. Yeah, about that. Uh, and honestly, we, we we even were discussing this um, before we got together because the question of what is music therapy is so difficult to answer. And so, we'll give you our, our textbook definition, um, which is the use of music to accomplish non-musical goals within a therapeutic relationship um, by a credentialed professional. That is us. Um, I have always also said that I think music therapy is best understood when experienced, and so. Really, our work and even my work and Beth- and Bethany's work look a little bit differently just because we work in different clinical areas. But we are essentially using music um, to facilitate different therapeutic goals. And so if I'm working with a patient um, who has very specific treatment objectives, um, I'm looking at how I can use different um, aspects or different elements of music, so like rhythm and melody and tone and timbre, how I can really adjust all of those things in order to um, work towards that functional treatment objective. Um, we do a lot of co-treating with all sorts of disciplines across the hospital system. And so we're really just ultimately looking at how we can you know, improve different therapeutic goals for our pa- not only our patients, but also their families as well. Anything to add, Bethany? Yeah, no, that was a that was a great explanation. I would say one awesome thing about about our work here at Cincinnati Children's is just we have a culture of being very patient centered. And so I get to connect with a patient or family and be able to just ask them what's important to you in this in this hour that we're together. And sometimes it's just I want to have fun and forget everything around me for an hour. Um, and I get to do that with them through music. So it's it's such a, a great job. I tell everyone it's the best job. Music therapy is the best job. So my next question was going to be who can benefit from music therapy, but I think I can probably answer this one. Anyone can benefit from yes, music therapy. That's that right. correct. <laughs> Look at me. Anything to add there? Anybody who particularly benefits from it that you've found through your clinical practice? I will say, I think that this, and this is something we had talked about too, I think a lot of people have this idea that in order to engage in music therapy, you have to be a musician of some kind, and you do not. <laughs> really? What I've told people in the past is if you have any meaningful connection to music at all, you can participate in music therapy. You do not need to be a singer. 
You do not need to play an instrument. You don't need to have done any of this before. We can really work with wherever you're at and whatever your comfort level is with making music. Are there applications of music therapy outside the hospital setting? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, so you just happen to be looking to pediatric music therapists, but certainly music therapy exists um, across healthcare um, and within the education system. Um, also, music therapy is not just for kids, um, but also across the entire lifespan. So, definitely, music therapy exists many places out in the world. I myself go to see a music therapist for my own mental health and wellness benefits. You can find private practices where people can work with really almost any goal that you would want to work towards. Is there anything that you teach patients that they can take home with them and use to kind of continue the work that you've started when they're here with us? Yes. I work in home care and Mm -hmm. hospice, so I am working with patients in their homes. So I get to kind of bring a lot of tools to them. Our program, which is called Starshine, we have some loaner instruments that I I can allow patients to have on loan. I also, a lot of times, I will help patients make playlists or create recordings of songs or videos or or tools that they can then use on their own music that they can access at home. So those are some examples of some tools. We also um, provide patients adapted music lessons. And so if they um, have been in the hospital and they have identified an instrument that they want to learn, um, actually the ukulele is is one of our most accessible instruments for that. Um, and so we'll often like teach them a number of things to kind of get started. And then we'll also help provide them with resources and ideas for how to continue that learning like independently at home if, if they want to. And the other thing I wanted to add is that because a lot of our work is also family-centered, I actually spend a lot of time providing tools and resources to our parents so that they can continue to make music together when they go home as well and trying trying to help empower them to feel like um, they know how to engage with their baby or their, their young one um, within music when they go home and kind of normalizing that experience for them all. So knowing that the, the big music weekend coming up here in Cincinnati that we mentioned a bit ago. What are your thoughts on live music and when it's appropriate for kids and families to start to experience things like that and the benefits of doing that? With the proper ear protection, I would say as young as possible. (laughs) Love the ear protection. Yes, we love ear protection. (laughs) Man, there is there is nothing like and I think I think most people know this. There's nothing like live music. It is often a very, very impactful and, quite frankly, magical experience um, to go to a live show. And so I think, you know, if you do have proper hearing protection for your children and it's an accessible space, absolutely any time is a great time to start exposing them to to different styles, genres, um, and bands. It's, it's also just fun. Mm-hmm. I'm fully on board with everything she just shared. <laughs> All right. Fully on board with finding a concert. Yeah. Well, let's go tonight. Um, anything else that we haven't talked about? Any resources that you um, would like to share with listeners about how to make their music experiences um, as meaningful as possible? Or any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Things that we haven't maybe touched on that are important? I think... 
for me, I am very passionate about um, encouraging families to engage in as much music making together as as they are comfortable. Um, certainly one of the misconceptions out there, I think, is that children um, prefer singing voices that are really pleasing to hear. Um, but actually the research shows that children prefer their caregivers' voices. And so I just always love to encourage families to sing um, or to have um, even like instrument toys at home or like make your own instruments at home because um, that's what's going to be the most meaningful to those children and and it's just so beneficial so I'm always a huge proponent of just singing and and whether or not families sometimes feel like they don't they can't recall like all of like your typical children's songs. Um, and certainly there's a lot of resources online um, in that regard, but also just making up things. That's always so meaningful and creates such beautiful memories for children. So I just encourage people to sing and play as much as they can. Yeah, totally agree. I would say just like some practical tools if you're if you're thinking about this and wanting to maybe incorporate music in a meaningful way into your life or your child's life is just starting by making a couple playlists, maybe for different moods or times of the day. So I think a lot of us have maybe a playlist when we go to the gym or when we're in the car or things like that, but maybe just making playlists that are really mindful of, of what might be beneficial to you or your child or supportive to you. And I have helped um, different families do that, but it's it's pretty easy nowadays to just get on Spotify and, and do it yourself. There are so many ways that you can also just listen to music mindfully and and have it shift your mood. So putting on a song that maybe, you know, will help to keep you calm and centered at work or to maybe get your child up in the morning, that kind of thing. Also, if you're interested in looking for a music therapist to work with, there is a website you can go to. It's cbmt.org. And there is a directory of music therapists and you can search by your area. So if that's something that you're interested in doing further, um, we also have a creative arts therapies page on the CCHMC website if you would like to learn more about our program here. Fantastic. Those were some great final thoughts. Thank you so much for sharing those. And the resources that you mentioned, Bethany, will um, make sure that we put in the description if anybody would like to link to those. Um, and this has been a really fun conversation. Thank you both for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. It was so fun having you. Hope you'll come back again sometime soon. <laughs> and with that, we're going to say see you later. Thanks so much for listening to the Young and Healthy podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode of Young and Healthy was recorded on June 15th, 2023. The content of the Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. This episode was produced by Kayla McNeil, and our theme music was created by Stephen Greco. Thanks for listening. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.